Sir William Osler said that a physician who treats himself has a fool for a patient. Does this apply to everything? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is internist and chief of occupational health at California Pacific Medical Center in San Francisco, Dr. Linda Paz Clever. Dr. Clever is a nationally known expert on professional and organizational burnout and a frequent guest here on Clinician's Roundtable. Welcome again to ReachMD, Dr. Clever. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's always great to have you. And Linda, I'm curious on this one. Is it really possible for physicians to write their own prescription for renewal? The good news is, of course, it is. And I wanted to go back to the wonderful Osler uh, quotation of physician who treats himself or herself as a fool for a patient. I think that's true for pathology. Uh, that is, when we're sick or not feeling good, I think we've got to get our own clinician to take care of us, and the same with our family, too. So I, I wanted to put a plug in for Osler's advice. However, for life, is it possible to write our own prescription for life and for new renewal? The answer is yes. And in fact, if we don't take care of ourselves, who will? Hmm. So I think that we, we really must take care of ourselves. And the shocking thing is we have to take care of ourselves above all, because again, if we're not there, we can't do the things that we want to do. We can't take care of our patients and have a good time with our family or our friends and so forth. So the answer is a resounding, yes, we can write our own prescription and we need to do it. And that's probably somewhat of a change in direction for some of us. Uh, We're accustomed to suffering. (laughs) Yes. Suffering becomes comfortable in a sick sort of way. Yeah. So where do you start? Well, you know, the first rule of holes, H-O-L-E-S, is stop digging. And so I would say the first thing we need to do is be aware of how we're feeling. Uh, And if we're feeling pressed and if we're feeling exhausted, then something's going to have to change. If we're feeling terrific and wonderful and buoyant, then the question is, is, you know, how to keep that way. So really the first step in renewing is you see what's going on, see and be aware of, of how we're feeling. The next step is thinking about it. And that sometimes takes a little bit of time, and we think that we don't have a little bit of time, but we actually do. And it can be while walking, it can be just before we go to sleep. There are bits which can become bigger bits of time to do some thinking. The aha is that's the awareness of, oh my gosh, Uh, I haven't talked with my mother for a month. And then, well, think about how can we get back in touch. And then, then comes the talking about it perhaps talking with ourselves about it, but also talking with our dear ones about it, and then then we can do something. So it's kind of become aware and then reflect and then have conversations and then do it. Ah. So what about if the thinking part happens at 2.30 in the morning and you you can't go back to sleep? Well, that's a whir, and whirs aren't the same as thinking. Ah. Uh, You know, we all have our tricks about how how can we either get to sleep or get back to sleep, and certainly, again, that can also be a danger signal, as we all know. If we wake up at 2 or 3 or 4 or 5 in the morning all the time and can't get back to sleep, then that's back to Osler, and we probably need to get uh, somebody to help take care of us. That may be a sign of depression. But sometimes it's a short for, and um, people do all kinds of things. uh, My husband the other day said, I have a new technique. He said, I watch the inside of my eyelids for a while. (laughs) He said, they're awfully interesting, you know, and then he goes back to sleep. The sleeplessness part is a concern if it's constant. 
again, I think that um, the thinking probably is best done uh, definitely when we're awake. So that would be a red flag that maybe your prescription for renewal is overdue. Yes, uh, absolutely. And, and hopefully you do this before you start waking up at 2.30 in the morning. Absolutely. Other tips about how people can, can start this process? Well, it's interesting, and it's back kind of to the awareness thing, which is really the first step. And we can think of, how am I feeling right now? I mean, that's, that's the question. How am I feeling? How am I doing? And as I've talked with people around the country about renew and renewing, some of the things they say is, you know, it just came to me that my current situation is really miserable, and I just don't have to put up with it. Another person one time said, I realize that I really want to live my values. And one fellow came up, um, actually an internist, um, in, had to be in San Diego, and I had been talking about that one of my values, my own values, is, is being kind, at least trying to be kind to people. So he came up and he looked kind of pale and gaunt and he said, you know, I realized when you said that, that with all the changes that have been going on in my clinic and all the things that have been happening, he said, people are telling me to do unkind things every day. Mm. And I said, first of all, I am so sorry. That is really a miserable situation. And second, I think you're going to have to do something about it. Either you know, the situation needs to change or you probably need to move along because if kindness is one of your values, then you need to be able to practice kindly. Sometimes people also just in this awareness zone kind of say, you know, I'm feeling kind of bored. Well, that's not a good thing, actually. And then they say, you know, last time I was feeling bored, I made some changes. Well, change is exciting. And although many of us really don't like to change, it does have some exhilarating elements to it. You know, you learn some new things, you might meet some new people, you, it brightens your day. And so along the way, there kind of is this awareness that change is exciting, and that makes it not quite so scary. You know, Linda, it's interesting. I gave a lecture last night, and in the audience was a nurse practitioner that I've known for years, and, and her story was kind of interesting. She said that their clinic is finally moving to uh, the electronic medical record, and um, she's of a generation that's still sort of computer-phobic, and it's been very difficult for her, but it, was, it gave her the impetus to start thinking about these things, and maybe she should change uh, what she's doing with her career. And um, ultimately, she ended up um, taking a whole new training course and is going to change the direction of what she does every day. But it was interesting to me that something that most of us feel is just kind of part of life, like transitioning our record systems, triggered this whole cascade of change in her. Well, I think you have to be open to it. Again, sometimes things have to get bad enough or uh, you know, the boss tells you, you have to do it this way. And then, you know, you do have a decision. Do I do it that way? And if so, let's make the best of it. I mean, one of the things that Viktor Frankl said is the last human freedom is the freedom to choose our attitude in a mm -hmm. given set of circumstances. And he was a psychiatrist who wrote, as you well know, Man's Search for Meaning, and he survived the Holocaust and his whole family was killed. And he came to this understanding that even in the most desperate of circumstances, you can still choose gee, I'm going to do this, or I'm, I, I can get through this, or I may die, but I can at least be dignified, or I may die, but uh, you know, at least I can learn how to do an electronic medical record. That's a choice. <laughs> uh -huh. What other circumstances do you see often when people have to resort their priorities? Well, the, the kind of circumstances, again, sometimes is the system changes. Sometimes their lives change. Kids grow up and 
go to college and leave home. And we find that we may, first of all, miss them, of course, deeply and sadly, but that's a sign of our successes. At least they were able to go to college. But it's, it, we may have to change our relationships with our spouse or partner or may want to and may have some more time. So sometimes it's a change in the family structure. Sometimes it's a change in work. Sometimes it's a change in the neighborhood. So they tend to be you know, noticeable but that the key is to be in touch with how we're feeling about it. Um, it's kind of a wake-up call. The banners are, are flying out there. And um, when it seems as if we need to renew and refresh, um, it's also what people find is it's a great time to make a list of the people in your life who are helpers or who are allies or who are encouragers. One time when I had a situation where I lost two jobs uh, very quickly, and it wasn't because of merit. It was because of changes in the healthcare system. And a very good friend, uh, actually John Gardner, said, make a list of your allies. There may be five or ten, or there may be more, and talk with them about next steps. So it's, it's like a campaign. Renewing is kind of like mm. a campaign. You see the situation, you think about it, you have these conversations, you, you know, made the list of allies, supporters, encouragers, and then you're finally able to do something about it. Hmm. Now, um, what role does leadership play in this? Well, leaders are, in a way, the cheerleaders. What leaders do is leaders are supposed to have the vision and leaders are supposed to set the example. And we as, as physicians and clinicians and so forth are put in leadership roles. And what I hear a lot from people, especially in organizations that are undergoing change where they have to fire people or there are fewer resources and there are never enough resources, they say, we really want our leaders, first of all, to say, this is where we're going, this is the vision, and to encourage us, and also to know what's going on so they can be empathetic and get us, you know, get us to help. That's the leader's role that is not delegatable to anybody else, is the vision and the the um, knowing what's going on so that the advice and the help can be practical. Now, what do you say to people? The most common um, excuse I hear from physicians and others um, in resisting this whole process is they just don't have enough time. Well, you know, I don't believe it. Yeah. Um, because there are 24 hours in a day, and let's say we should be sleeping, good sleeping, for eight hours, so that, that leaves 16 and I don't mean to be flippant or lighthearted about this, I think that if it's back to the becoming aware, if we're aware that something's going on that we don't want, or if we're aware that we want things to get even better so we have a bright future, then it's time to think about, okay, I'm gonna, this is going to take some time and it's going to take some work. What can I drop out? What can I uh, not do? What am I doing on the computer when I get home <laughs> for three hours a night? <laughs> Uh, sometimes it's a spouse or a child. I, a very poignant, um, I was just at a meeting, um, a renewing conversation group that we were having a couple weeks ago at a major university, and a fellow said, my eight-year-old daughter handed me a note that said on it, top secret, and it was scotch tape shut and had paper clips all over. He said, I just had to tear it open. I just had to, it was really top secret. And he said, I opened it and it said, Dad, Get off the computer. Oh! And it was Ouch. very powerful to him, and it brought tears to his eyes. Mm. They also had a new baby in the family, um, which was puzzling everybody. Uh, he said, we've gone from, you know, kind of zero to 100 when the baby was born. But I, I think that we know if we spend 
a modicum of time, a minuscule, minuscule amount, how we're wasting time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to sound pontifical or as if it's easy, because sometimes we're on the computer because we welcome the escape from some of our responsibilities. We welcome the escape from having that tough conversation with our teenager, or we really don't want to go to the volleyball game, or we don't want to talk with a teacher, or we don't want to talk with our spouse or partner. Well, I'm on the computer. I've got to, I've got to look up the most you know, recent whatever. Well, that's an awareness thing that once we were aware of that, we have the power to carve out some time. I'd like to thank our guest today, Dr. Linda Oz Clever. We have been discussing how we can write the prescription to renew ourselves and how we really should. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.